focus on the cross. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Let me clarify what is being said here. Single here, the word literally means fold together. That's what single means. Meaning, if you don't have diversion in your view, if your sight is single, if it folded and it has one focus, then your body will fill with light, having only one storehouse. Lay not up treasure here on earth and then in heaven because then you're divided. Your focus is not in one place. So he said, fold everything into one. The other meaning of the word single here also means if it's healthy. And for an eye to be healthy, it has to work as it is designed to work. And your eye is designed to work in such a way that it sees things clearly. That's how your eyes were designed to do. Now, Jesus says that the eye is what caused the body to be filled with light or darkness. If your eye is single, if it's healthy, if it's focused, think about a lens. If you take the magnifying glass and you put it under the beam of the sun, what happens is the beam that form will be intensified as you focus that light into a smaller dot. So if you were an interesting child, I would say, <laughs> you like to fry running ants with magnifying glass, chasing after them and frying them and seeing the body smoke. You will see that once the sunbeam is defocused, the ants don't die anymore. And not, not that I've ever done this. So you have to keep the magnifying glass at the right angle all the time and at the right height so that you can continue to burn those ants, you know, one by one. It is terrifying for the ants, but it's kind of fun for the kid. Now, I don't recommend that, that you have to keep focus to accomplish what it's designed to do. Your eye has to be focused. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8, verses 23, 24, and 25. So I will use this story to illustrate your spiritual life, starting from being a sinner without salvation, being saved, and then being able to see God clearly. Our objective here is to be able to see God clearly and therefore to know God. That is our vision. That's what we want to get to, to know God. That they might know thee, the only true God, and thy Son, Jesus Christ. That is Jesus' prayer for us. That's our vision, is to see God. So we all started as blind. The blind man... It starts with the blind man from Bethsaida, verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hand upon him, he asked him if he saw aught, meaning, do you see? First leg of our journey into salvation is God takes you from darkness into light. He gives you sight. So Jesus gave this man sight. The same thing that when you come to the knowledge of salvation, you gain spiritual sight. But look at what happened to this man when Jesus opened his eyes. And he looked up and said, I see men as tree walking. First stage is blindness. And then from blindness, meeting Christ will cause you to see. But what you see is a blur. This man, his eye was open. But all he can see are men, but they look like trees. They can't distinguish between men and trees. Sometimes men do look like trees, so maybe it's not off that much after all. But a lot of Christians have been Christians for a long time, but they see nothing clearly. Everything is like a blur. Yeah, I, I get saved. I think 
I'll be with Kevin. I'll get out of here. I'm not sure. I, I, I kind of know what salvation, everything is sort of like a blur. I was in that state. I was not aware of what salvation really means, what Jesus' death and resurrection really mean to me. And our lives, following Christ, is like a blur. Everything is, is kind of fuzzy, not making sense. This is the second stage. His eyes were opened by Christ, but everything is fuzzy. It's not clear. Only after something happened to him the second time, then he started to see things clearly. And we see this in verse 25. After that, he put his hands again. This is talking about Jesus. After that, he took his hand again upon his eye and made him look up. You see, the first time this man looked up by himself and see men walking as trees, blurry, fuzzy, not very clear, until Jesus put his hand on him again and then made him look up. This is all the act of Jesus Christ. And he was restored. This is only after Jesus put his hand on his eyes again. Then he is restored. His eyes are restored. And look what he says. And saw every man clearly. Before Jesus put his hand on this man's eye, the second time he was unfocused. His eyes were not focused until he put his hand on this man's eyes again. And then now his eyes are focused. When your eyes are in focus, when your spiritual eyes are in focus, everything begins to make sense. If you don't understand Christ, if everything is a blur to you right now, there is a state that exists when Jesus Christ put his hand on you, and I'll explain what that means, then everything starts to make sense. Everything, you begin to see things clearly. And that point is where Jesus wants you to be. He doesn't want to heal this man and he walk in around and just like what he was before, now he can see but everything is blurry. That's not a life that Jesus wants this man to have from this side up. This is not a life that Jesus wants you to have, having this fuzzy image of what the kingdom of God is or this fuzzy image of who God is. God wants you, Jesus wants you and I to see the kingdom of God clearly. He wants our eyes to be able to focus. He wants us to be able to see Christ clearly. And when you do, your life will change. The things that you think about will change. What you do will change. You will be able to control and command your body, your proclivities, your desires. Those things will be under your command when you begin to see things clearly. When you don't see things clearly, what you do is you stumble, you bump into people, people push you, you get agitated, and then think about it. Some of you who are needing glasses and you walk around without glasses, try to do it for a while. You get angry because you don't see things clearly. Now, if you see things clearly, then you know the reality. And that is where we need to be. Focusing is so important in our spiritual insight. Salvation brings you to a point where you can see. But what you can see is blurry until you do this one thing. And that is having Jesus put his hand on you continually. Clarity comes when Jesus has his hand on you. Meaning, if you're walking with Jesus, then you see things clearly. If you're not walking with Jesus, things become blurry again. If any of you who have ever taken photography have ever used a manual focus lens requires constant focusing for things to be in constant focus. You probably don't know this, those that use the camera on the phone. The camera on your phone has this thing called auto focus. 
What is autofocus? It focuses automatically for you. You don't have to do the focusing. Who is controlling the point of focus? The phone. It autofocuses for you. It tries to guess what you want to focus until you touch on the screen where you want things to focus. But how many of you see people actually do that? You don't really have to. Today, you use your iPhone, you put it up, and then there are these yellow squares focuses on people's faces for you, so you don't have to worry about it. The phone does that for you. Who's in control? It could just very well taking a picture. And now, you don't have to touch the, the camera shutter button. It continuously taking pictures for you. That button that you press is superfluous. It doesn't matter if you touch or not. It already records a bunch of pictures for you. How do you think those motion pictures are taken? You think that when you press the button that it takes a picture? It takes a picture all the time. It's only when you press that button, it says, okay, just take these set of pictures. This is generally the time that you want to take these pictures. That's why you end up with these motion pictures. Because if you touch that time, how do you get the pictures before the part where you touch the button? Have you ever thought about that? Spiritually speaking, there's only Jesus Christ. And as he is with you, he is the center of the focus for you. He's focusing for you. Technically, yes, that is autofocus. But you have to be with Christ. Otherwise, you have to refocus your image all the time. The Bible says, let patient have her perfect work. Things might not look clearly right now, but things will be clearly as you continue to walk with Jesus because what you see are not what you used to. Looking into the spiritual realm, how do you know what to focus? You need to be taught what to focus. For example, if you are a photographer and you go through a bunch of pictures, you take about a thousand pictures. Do you keep a thousand pictures? You shouldn't keep a thousand pictures. So first pass through those thousand pictures to take out all the pictures that are unusable. What is the criteria that photographers use to eliminate pictures that they don't want? Out of focus pictures, yes. That's the first to go. You don't keep out of focus pictures. Pictures that are out of focus are the first to go. There's no use for things that are out of focus. Now the second pass through, you know what they eliminate? Bad lighting, but that can be correct now. So I, I see that you are an old photographer. You, you still develop film, you're in the film era, but now all that can, is, is you can bump up the lighting and the exposure. The second thing, if you are a photographer, the second thing is you look at the eyes of your subject. If the eyes are not in focus, delete. The eyes are so important. The eyes are the most important part of the picture. If the eyes are out of focus, the picture is worthless. It's the eyes. It's always the eyes. Your eyes are very important. To be focused, we need the eye, and the eye is the subject of focus. What do we focus on? We focus on the cross. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. Let's begin there. Let thine eyes look right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. To focus, you need to point your eye exactly at where you want to focus. Try to focus periphery on the sides. Can you see anything clearly on the side? Well, I can't because my eyeglasses don't go to the side. Even if you don't wear eyeglasses, you can't focus on the side. So to focus something, you need to look straight at it. Think about the owl. Most of the birds, can they move their eyes like we do? What do they do to focus? That's right, they twist their head. You need to point your head to where, or in, in this way, you need to point your eyes to where you're looking at. This has been talked about more than 4,000 years ago. Solomon says, focus. Let their eyelids look forward, straightward. So point your eye, point your face to the direction that you want to focus. 
if you are going toward God and you are focused on your life, then are you going to God? Distraction, number one, is the great enemy. We becoming, your generation, this generation has become a generation of options. Many options. 175 different types of dressings that you can get at the supermarket. It's so overwhelming that in the end, any choice you make turn out to be a bad choice. Not that they are bad in itself, but there are other choices that you think are better choices because there are so many choices. They did a study where they have 30 different flavors of chocolate and six. Most of the participants want to be in the group that gets to choose between 30 different flavors. And few of them want to choose between the six. And after the studies, they get a survey from all of the participants, and this is what they found. The ones that tasted 30 end up couldn't decide on which flavor they like. So in the end, they come out unhappy. They were excited because there are 30 different flavors they get to choose from, but then in the end, they couldn't choose, and they were unhappy. The ones that only had six flavors, they picked the one that they like, and they came out satisfied. They knew which flavor they want because the options are smaller. A lot of choices doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make you satisfied because you can't focus. There are too many choices you can't focus. Have you seen those pictures where you look at it and you go, what am I looking at? What is the subject of this image? So a couple of years ago, phone manufacturers came out with this thing called portrait mode. Everybody went crazy over portrait mode. You know, the only thing that it does, you know what it does? It defocuses everything else. And then it makes us happy because now you are at the center of focus. Now you are in focus and everything else around you is now defocused and now you're happy. Before, the object of the camera is to get everything in focus and then you're like, it's so distracting. I can't focus, I don't see what am I supposed to look at. We need to focus by eliminating distraction. When you have too many options, you lose meaning. You don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what is the center of your focus. So you have choices between 30 different varieties of flavors of candies, and in the end you walk out of that room and you can't choose too many things, and you're unhappy. And you thought that choices make you happy, in the end, too many options, not making any meaning at all. In our lives, the more things that you have, the more choices that you have to make, and it wastes your time. And in the end, you become dissatisfied because you can't make decisions and we can't focus. Martha was distracted. Do you remember what it says in the scripture? Luke chapter 10 verse 40 says that she was overwhelmed by the things that she has to do, while Mary only had one thing that she needed to do. Martha had too many choices. She had too many things that she needed to do, whereas Mary only had one, who's sitting at Jesus' feet. And that was it, that was one choice. She made that and she was happy. And she says, no one can take that away from her. Now, if anyone take one thing away from Martha, she still has the other nine or 10 things she can do. She's still distracted. So distraction is one way that the devil uses to draw you away from God. When Eve was at the tree, and Eve, before meeting the serpent, she knows that God says, you should not eat of this tree. Any other tree you can eat, it's a very simple commandment. Every other tree you can eat, but this tree, don't touch it, don't eat it, lest you die. Very simple command. Listen to what the devil does. 
He comes to Eve. Eve, look at the tree. And then Eve knew instinctively that she'd been taught not to touch it and not to eat it because she would die. And that's what she said to the devil. And listen to what the devil says. The three things that the devil said. The first thing he said is, your eyes will be open. Did God say that? Did God say that your eyes will be closed when you eat the fruit? He didn't say that. Second thing he said, you will be as gods. Did God say that you're not going to be as God? No. And the third thing he said, and then you will know good and evil. God never said any of those things. What do you think the devil is trying to do? Distract her by all the things that God did not say. If I'm telling you there is a teapot right now orbiting Mars, well, why do you even think about that? It's not even something that you need to think about, but because I say it now, you start thinking it's the teapot orbiting Mars. Distraction. Let me tell you another story. During the time of the communist revolution in Russia, there's a man called Peter. He's known to be a petty theft. And there's a lot of petty theft going on in the factories in communist Russia at the time. The Russian army sends these soldiers to guard all the entrances and exits to these factories. Peter comes out with a wheelbarrow, and on top of the wheelbarrow, there is this bag, and this bag looks suspicious. So he gets the bag out to the door, and then the soldier says, Peter, I know that you're stealing something. Tell me what you're stealing. He said, nothing. It's just sawdust in there. Open the bag, show me. So he opens the bag, he empties the sawdust out there, and he goes through, and voila, it was sawdust. The sawdust put back into the bag. And the next day, he comes out with a beer barrel and another bag. What's in there, Peter? It's sawdust. And he does this day after day after day. In the end, the guard says, okay, Peter, tell me. What is it that you are stealing from us? Wheelbarrows. I've been stealing wheelbarrows. Distraction. That is a method that the devil uses today. What distracts you? What are the things that distract you? I won't be very far if I tell you that your phone is a distraction. A distraction to your education. A distraction to your homework. Notification is a distraction. You'll be doing something and then bing, bing, bing. You've been listening to the song and then get your phone hooked up into your car and then you're driving. It ruins the song. Turn the notification off. Distraction is what caused you to not be able to focus. So how do you get rid of distraction? By simplifying. Jesus made a couple of statements. I want to first go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Jesus was a simple man. His ministry was simple. It was simple because I can tell you what it is. His Ministry was to do one thing, and that was to do the will of the Father. It's not even his own will. That's how simple it was. Jesus' life and ministry, he didn't have house. He didn't have a place to lay his head. His ministry, his whole life was simple, was direct, was focused. It was the cross before him. He endured all things for the sake of the cross, and he did not his own will. Because when you do your own will, Oh, I make my decision to do this. I change my mind. I do this. I change my mind. I do that. But if your decisions are guided by God, then you have no other options besides doing what God asks you to do. So Jesus made this decision and that he only did what God asked him to do. Not my will, but thy will be done. That's what I mean by simplicity. 
if Eve only stuck to the simple commandment that God has gave to her, don't eat it. She didn't. She started listening to the devil. There are too many things. We need to simplify because Christ was simple. Christ's own ministry was simple. Christ's life was simple. And here is what he tells his disciples or those who wish to be his disciples. And this is what he said. First of all, forsake all. He said, forsake all. Everything. You want to be my disciple? Forsake all. Tells the rich young ruler, go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Get rid of everything. It's hard. Not easy. Because those things become distracting to your ministry to Christ. Get rid of them. No man having been put his hands on the plow, look back, is worthy for the kingdom. So when you get rid of stuff, don't look back. It is like you threw something away and then you climb into the trash bin and get it out again. Don't do that. There were a family that got rescued from a city. Most of them made it, but one of them didn't. Why? What did she do? She looked back. And what happened to her? She would turn into a pillar of salt. Jesus says, don't look back. You get rid of stuff, you move forward, don't look back. No regrets, no turning back. Forsake the world. Love not the world. Because the world will give you 175 different choices of dressings. In fact, you don't need dressings. Just eat the plain salad. You enjoy it more. And it is more healthy for you. I always get dressing on the side. And the world will offer you more and more choices. And in the end, they're not going to make you happy. So let's just forget, forget what the world can offer you. Focus on the cross. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. This is what the mind of a Christian should focus on. Like the Apostle Paul, those things that are gained to me, I count the loss. It doesn't matter to me. Everyone can have what they want and desire. It's okay, I don't want it. Do you have that mindset? Can you have that mindset? Can you have the mindset that said, it's not my will, but it's God's will be done. So let my life be simplified to the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul also says in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Remind yourself that. The world has been crucified. Do you desire the things that are in the world? Are you pursuing things that are in the world? If you are, then the cross is not before you. If you have taken up the cross, it's time to focus fully on that. No one has taken up the cross and looked back at the world is fit for Christ. No one, he said, no one look back is fit for me. You will never leave Sodom if you look back. How do we learn to focus? Proverbs 17, verse 24. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. The fools, according to the scripture, look at everything and focuses on nothing. That is the definition of fool because he has no focus, he has no target, has no destination. He scans at everything and looks at nothing. But the wise person understands and knows what he needs to focus on and eliminate everything else to achieve that focus point. And that is the cross. That's what Jesus did. And he is glorious right now because he did that only thing. The eyes of the fools, because he scans out everything, everything becomes blurred because everything is the same. There's nothing that stands out and is in focus, so everything else is a blur. To have vision, you need to learn to focus. The object of your focus is Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we don't see him in person anymore. But what do we see instead today as Jesus Christ? What we see is what he saw and what was before him. The cross was before him. He always looked at the cross. And similarly today, look at the cross. We can't see Jesus 
because he is at the right hand of God, the cross is still here. That's why he said, take up the cross and follow me. Look at the cross, focus on the cross. What was Christ's focus? Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It was always the cross for him. If you want to see Jesus, fix your eyes. Have you ever noticed why it is the cross and why it's called the cross here? It's the center of focus. Man's center of focus should be the cross. If it's not the cross, then you're defocused, you're unfocused. So it's always the cross reminds you that's where you need to set your crosshair at. It is the cross. And once you are at the cross, once you see the cross, then that is where Christ is at because that's where he went. He went to the cross. If you set your sight on the cross, that is where he is. Where is the cross? The cross is outside of us. It is not in us. Don't look inside for the cross. The cross is outside of you. No one carries the cross inside. Everyone carries the cross outside. What, what do I mean by that? The cross is not something that you feel or conjure up inside of you. The cross is outside. It is the biblical teaching. It is the understanding of Christ. It is what happened, the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is that outside, it's not our own experience that it is the cross. No, no, not our experiences. It is what we learn from Jesus Christ, what we continue to learn. His hands is always on us for us to be in focus. That is the cross. The cross are those things, or the cross is in those things that are contrary to our selfish nature. The cross reminds you that you are crucified. It is the object of your crucifixion. It is what you're uncomfortable with. Have you ever think about change as something that you don't like? We don't say it because it's a taboo to say we don't like change, especially here in the West Coast, right? Everything changed. But when it comes to you having to make some changes, what do you do? You resist change. We don't want change. Let me ask you, do you wear the same shirt all the time? Do you eat the same food all the time? How about, do you eat exactly the same food all the time? That piece of meat that you eat again and again and again? No, we don't. We want something different. We are a creature that is adaptable to change, but yet our mindset, unwilling to change. Following the cross means to change yourself. We need to tell ourselves to the path in which God will take us. So you don't see yourself growing and changing. You're not focusing because you're not following Christ. The cross is difficult things that makes you deny yourself to perform. The cross is that hard thing that you need to do. To get up early, to read the Bible, to pray, to do things that otherwise is difficult to you. That is the cross. The cross is outside of us. The cross is other than us. The cross is that place of persecution for Christ's sake. The cross is when your friends, all your friends going this way, and you say, I'm, I can't. I am bound to the cross. That is the cross. The cross is when choices before you to be comfortable or to make sacrifices. The cross is that thing that causes you to make that sacrifice. The cross is getting rid of the comfortable things and stepping out in faith. That is the cross. When I say focus on the cross, it is to defocus yourself, those things that you have, your possession, those things you hold on to, and now saying to God, your will be done. That is the cross. To get out of yourself and do that difficult thing. That is the cross. How do you focus? You must have wisdom to focus. You must know what you're looking for because before everything becomes focused, you need to have kind of an idea what you are aiming at. 
And then as you're adjusting your eye, that thing that you look at becomes focused. But before it is focused, it's blurry. So you need to learn to recognize the hint, the shape of what it is. And that comes by wisdom. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Paul taught Timothy that wisdom comes from studying the Holy Scripture. We place so much emphasis on studying the Holy Scripture. Now, of course, in the day of Paul and Timothy, the Holy Scripture is the Old Testament. But today, we have a wealth of information. We have a treasure of wisdom. We have the New Testament. But Timothy and Paul didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. So today, there's no excuse for us not to have wisdom. Paul told Timothy to study the Holy Scripture. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So the Scripture to Paul and Timothy is actually the Old Testament makes you wise. Today, not only we have the Old Testament, we have the explanation of the Old Testament in the New Testament. There's no excuse for us not to have wisdom. Before, you need to learn how to read the Hebrew Scripture. You need to, have to read Greek Septuagint. That was what the Scripture was written in. But today, you can read this Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, in any language that you choose. There's no excuse for us not to have wisdom. The only reason for us not to have wisdom is because we are ignorant. And we choose to be ignorant. And we choose to be distracted. Even as you are sitting here today, your mind is wandering some, somewhere else. You are distracted. You're not focusing on the scripture, on the holy scripture of God. There's no way we can gain spiritual wisdom unless we focus on the scripture. Focus is a spiritual skill. You need divine insight to use. A lot of people can read but they gain no spiritual insight. The only way for you to gain spiritual insight is through the leading and teaching of the Holy Spirit. First, studying the scripture by eliminating distraction, by blurring out the world and all of its desire. If you have not done this, do this. On your phone, turn off all notifications, at least when you're reading the Bible. Turn it off. Don't turn off your phone. Focus. Give yourself 20 minutes, you have 30 minutes, just completely focused. It will totally change the way you perceive the scripture if you're focused. If you're not focused, you're not gaining any insight. Like sitting in this room today, you're spending this time, but you're not focused, you're not getting anything. Focus is a skill. It has to be learned. So if your mind is distracted because it hasn't learned to know how to focus, so we need to learn to focus by eliminating. One thing that I do, I have a clock, and that clock sets to 25 minutes and five minutes break. When that clock is on, I don't answer my phone, nothing rings, I don't check my text, I don't check my email, I don't do anything within that 25 minutes, except that one thing that I do. I don't get up, I don't walk around, I don't eat, I don't drink, I don't do anything within that 25 minutes. The five minutes after the 25 minutes is done, then I get up. I don't do anything relating to the work that I do. Nothing at all. But I walk up, I talk to people, I eat, I drink. And then when the five minutes is over, I get back, turn everything off, and then focus, continue on that one thing. I do that four times. And then I take a 15 minutes break, and I do that whole thing again once more. Try it. You accomplish a lot more when you focus. Choose the cross over all other choices by denying your desires and lusts. 
you need to pick a subject, an object, a focus, choose the cross. It's a simple choice. But when you need to pick something in life, choose the cross. You see, some of us have a problem focusing. Even right now, even in this place, we have focus problem because we haven't learned how to. And when you can't focus, you're not going to get anywhere in life. If you can't focus, if you haven't learned to focus, if you don't focus, your kids can't focus, your family's unfocused, everything is blurry, you will never learn anything in life unless you learn how to focus. This is very important. Choose the cross, focus on the cross, focus on denying yourself, take up that cross, focus on eliminating things that you don't need. I have a 3-3-3 rule. What I don't use in three days, it goes into a three-week category. I put a label on it. What I don't use after three weeks, it goes into a three months category. What I don't use after three months, goes away. You don't need it. Focus on the cross. All you need is the cross. Count all things to be lost for the sake of Christ. Distraction is no fun. Put Christ at the center of your sight and learn his life, works, and teaching. When you focus, focus on Christ. What he said, what he taught, what he did. Learn that. That is what you need to do. It's very simple. It's not complicated. It starts out with the Bible. Study what God has done, Christ, who he is, what he's done, and his teachings. Focus continuously on Christ by adjusting your sight on the cross through studying and growing in the doctrine of Christ. The disciples, every day in the beginning, they got together, and the first thing they did was to learn the doctrine. Before prayer, before fellowship, they learned the doctrine. The first thing that we need to do is what you are doing here. If you're focused, if you're not focused, you're not learning anything here. And some of you here are not focused, so you're, not, you're just wasting your time. You're not learning anything. But if you're focused, then what is going on here is the doctrine of Christ. That's what you're learning. What you're learning becomes part of you. Doctrine is what is teaching, basically. And that teaching becomes part of you, and it makes you wise. Lastly, Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This is Paul talking. But this one thing I do. Paul, the apostle Paul, did one thing. So I, I haven't made it yet. But this one thing I do, and this is what the Apostle Paul does, forgetting those things which are behind, letting go of those things that are in the past. You fail in the past, so be it. It's not the present. It's not the future. The future is undetermined. The present is where you are right now. And then he says, and reaching forth those things which are before. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's focusing on what's before, not what's behind. Those things he's forgetting, and he does this one thing, not many things, just this one thing. Focus on this one thing that is before. Focus on that. Focus on the cross means to blur everything else out so you can clearly see Christ in front of you. That is what it means to focus. Father, we thank you for today, for the cross that is continually before us, for the presence of your Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and teaching us to focus or gaze on Jesus Christ that the things of this life will become blurry and that the clarity of your cross through the gospel might popped out in our vision and lead us to the life of purpose, of meaning, and of bliss that you have promised to each one of us who follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.